Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. I am in Petty with Miles. I'm going to say Miles Davis. Oh my God, that was Riley. Wow, I'm with Miles Davis, which is really a feat because he's dead. Sorry, <laughs> I'm with Miles. It's already starting out goofy. I'm having one of the best experiences I've had in Paris right now in this beautiful apartment, this beautiful part of Paris. And Miles has laid out sandwiches and I have the best macarons I've ever had. So I'm content if I just sit at your table for my next two days. Um, so well, you do have to bring up that we are on Rue Lord Byron, which is special because it is the same street as the stage door for the Lido. Oh my gosh. Okay, because Miles did take me around to see the stage door. Got a little emotional. And it worked out that it came the same week. When we knew the Lido was closing, I was posting. And then I think you picked the dates first. And I had to sandwich it between shows that I have going on. And it worked out. And Elizabeth Phillips is here. We all arrived the same day. Yeah, I remember they had announced they were closing. I was afraid they would close in July and they wouldn't go into August. And I wanted to go the first week of July uh, because just to be on the safe side, but my husband couldn't get that time off. So this was the next week that we could go. And um, I booked it immediately because I was so sorry to miss the last reunion uh, because I had back surgery and could not go. And I was at the first reunion, which was such a treat. And I thought, oh, I'll get to the third one. And now... The third one, there will be no Lido to see, but unless magic happens in the future. And we got in by the skin of our teeth. Yeah. One, we thought Thursday, and next Thursday is the last show for the public, and then they have two special shows, which is invite only. So we, the timing. the cast is only getting three tickets each. That's it. And a lot of people are asking me, can you help me out? I'm like, it's sold out. Yeah. We got in, and we were trying to get in for tonight. We want to get in tonight. And we could, you know, and I was like, I will pay someone to go anywhere else but the Leo. And they like, (laughs) no. I said, I'll get get them tickets for anything. And all I could think about when we were there, the table next to us wasn't that into it and left halfway through. And I thought, why couldn't they have been coming tomorrow? I would have bought the tickets. Anyway. Oh, man. Um. This has been an emotional week. It has been. And I mean, when we've talked, like tears will come. I'm watching you at the stage door. And if you, if we have tears today, I want to do it unapologetically because this is, there's a few things I want to come back to an interview. If Miles had asked if he could interview me and I'm like, I would do that because my friend interviewed me at the beginning of doing the podcast, which is very different from two years in and then the Lido closing. So I'm always just curious what people are curious about. What did it mean to you to be able to come here? And why did you come here for oh this? Gosh. I say, I'm going to start crying now. So we just let the waterworks happen. I'm going to do a little backwards because I worked in for Don Hard and Bluebell in 1980. And hello, Hollywood, hello. And I left and did other shows, didn't look back, didn't really know the history. I just knew it was beautiful and, and it was part of Vegas. And then I just went on my merry way and did more shows. Then I, I think I've shared a few that I had felt guilt for being topless and even wearing G-strings. So when I stopped dancing, it was kind of like that, that wasn't me. Or I just, I kind of put the door too tight on that one. Had children. And then it wasn't until some healing of my own around sexuality and sexual abuse. And I remember, I think I've told this story, but I'm not sure, being in therapy. And when I was telling, he asked about what, what I had done as a dancer. And I was telling him about being a showgirl in Vegas 
And I had my head down, so afraid to look him in the eyes. Like I was waiting for him to say, oh, well, that explains. I don't know. I have this whole weird connection mm. of shame to this. And then he goes, did you like it? And I, I remember I couldn't even look up at him. And I looked up and I said, I loved it. And I just started crying because I went, I did love it. But I wanted to pretend that I didn't love it. Was it difficult to say that to a man versus a woman? <sighs> God, you're going to hit all of them today, aren't you? <laughs> it was. It was, and he said, when you, and I started talking about it, I said, when you talk about it, you light up. And then I started talking about what's been taken from women as far as sexuality. And then I started talking about how wonderful it felt to be on stage in these costumes and feel regal and feel adored, but not when you think of women being adored, it's kind of more like that trophy kind of a, of a girl. And so I started to understand that it really mattered because there was also the safety of being up there dressed how we were and no one could re could reach out no one could grab you you had the control you had the safety so i really started to come back to it and then i went to the end of jubilee before they did the rebound i went with a good friend of mine who was in that ann green who's been on several times and i looked at i mean the show looked it looked a little dated but it was still glorious i'm like i wonder if there's more shows and then i started looking into like google like where and i knew the moulin rouge was still happening but i still did not connect to the lido Mm, and actually when I stopped dancing, I was, I was doing a show in Bermuda and then I thought I was done. And I came back to Reno for a short run. Someone needed me to fill in and ran into Jillian Rishoi, who was my company manager at a party. And she asked what I was doing. And I said, I think I'm going to stop dancing. Kind of like I stopped wearing G strings. And she said, are you sure that's what you want to do? And then she said, you know, if you want, I could call over Toledo because she was naming different places because I think a lot of the company managers, like if Fluff had someone, they would tell. And then I, I said, no. And just forgot about it. And so then when I came back to Paris, I did a little trip from Amsterdam, Paris. Uh, I went over, I went to um, Belgium and I, and I came, went to Moulin Rouge and I went, wait a minute, this is beautiful. And I still didn't make it to Lido. <laughs> still hadn't gone. I forgot. Wow. Didn't find it. Didn't really work that hard at it. I just kind of was associating Moulin Rouge with, with all of it. Mm -hmm. Was that before or after Moulin Rouge movie came out? Before. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't even have that connection. I just knew like I wanted to see it. Um, and then it was hello, Hollywood, hello, Facebook group. And then I started to kind of really, it was a yearning. Like I want to come back to this and see what this was and why I shut the door on it. And so it was the hello, Hollywood, hello reunion. I had just had my hip replacement and it meant so much. I had asked my doctor, I'm flying one week after having my hip sawn off. <laughs> Can I fly? And I had my walker and the whole thing. And it, it just flooded me. And it was looking at the slide of all the things we did, all the beautiful pictures from the show and meeting these people. And then Miss Bluebell's face came up on the screen and all of us were crying. I'm gonna start crying now. We're gonna go visit her, her grave today. And I think it was understanding the, the opportunity that was given to me to get out of my hometown, to do what I always wanted to do and had no idea. Like, how do I dance on Sunny Shark Show? <laughs> how do I get on Carol Burnett? How do I get in this? And so just to have that opportunity and then the, the um, Bluebell reunion in 2019 that Lindsay put on was here. Mm -hmm. And that's where it all went like, this is glorious. I love this. And then I fell in love with Alito because we got to see the show, loved the cast, loved all the connections from all the older gals that I had worked with in Reno and Vegas that had danced here. And I'd heard Lido stories, but I didn't really, I didn't get that Lido was like the foundation of all the other shows that uh, those of us in America did. So that reunion, just tripped something. I was already in this really great healing path of mm -hmm. reclaiming myself as a female, as a, I don't want to say sexual in that white way. It really is like the embodiment 
instead of having to live outside my body. So that was a huge piece of my healing was to come back to my body. Oh, wonderful. And I teach showgirl classes and that's where we start. Like if you want to put the feathers on, but can you be in your body with this much presence and you see people squirm and I go, that's the gift of when I teach it. It's not, and it is nice for people to feel beautiful. Like what is it to be in your own body unapologetically? Cause I remember I was, my parents weren't religious, but I found Southern Baptist roots that I went to and like that dancing leads to sin. Your body makes men lust. And so I just, there was just so much shit that was involved in all that. You and know? those are all put on by humans. That doesn't yeah. not need to happen. And it wasn't really, yeah, so that story needed to go away. And then it really started to hit me of how much um, this mattered. So when I came to the reunion and just started to learn more about the Lido and I started reading more books and hearing more, and I came back, that was in, in September and then COVID happened in March and I already had been thinking I'd like to do a podcast so it was doing the interviews and hearing about the Lido and the history people like Jeremy that know everything about Miss Blue about Lido history and a lot of us that worked there I think in the 80s there's just so many opportunities that we just went to the next thing I don't know how many people really knew so yeah it's been like mainly by the interviews people who danced here and then seeing them and like this younger cast I've interviewed, like just seeing the show for the fourth time mm. and knowing more of the stories of how hard they work to get there and the quality of dancer. And also to say, oh, I was a bluebell. I used to feel like, but I was a dancer. Like, just like if you say you're a showgirl, you have to justify it. And I'm not even proudly say I was a bluebell. I was a showgirl instead of like with the caveat, like, but I wasn't naked <laughs> and I danced. That was the longest answer. So coming back to it, when I noticed when I knew it was closing, I go, I have to be here. Mm. Mainly, I want to just support this cast of just like, you know, bluebells everywhere are, are supporting you and they know this is hard and we're grieving, but this, this cast is representing so beautifully with integrity and grace and yeah, just the quality of these dancers is amazing. So I just knew not seeing it would be hard to be home and knowing it's closing. I did get to see it one more time. Yeah. I wanted to get stories of the people that are at the, the last bluebells. This is the last. When someone said it out loud, it was Elizabeth. She goes, is this the end of the bluebells? And I went, oh, yeah. So, like, let's honor it. Let's go out strong and tell the stories instead of just kind of pushed away, which a lot of, I think, cultural changes has kind of dismissed the importance of it. Mm. And one thing, actually, we can talk about, because this will be aired afterwards is we were very fortunate enough to go to a rehearsal and see on the screen where they, they say that this is the, the end of the lead up. And um, we, and they said, you know, not to post anything, not to say anything um, because they want to keep that private until it actually happens. And seeing that up on this, on the, that big, uh, not scrambling that whatever board it's on this site. I have a picture of it. I'll post. Too. Yeah, it, it, it the just, last one with a feather. And they were rehearsing and watching the cast rehearsing what they were setting for the the very very end and presentation of different people. It was it was you know I just felt for them because you know part of show business is shows that it happens and you go from one show to the next to the next hopefully until one day you no longer are doing that. But this one is different. And I had made a comment to you. I said, Gwen Burton used to say, um, a dancer dies twice. One when their career stops and the other time when they actually die. And now I have a feeling that it's three times. And it's when an institution like this ends and it's happened before. I mean, 
There's like Follies do not exist anymore. There are so many theaters that do not exist anymore. And so it does feel like a death a third time, you know, so to speak. Mm. But what I'm proud of is what Jane and, and um, Jeremy created, giving a tribute to the past. Um, and I mean, the reason why I came, I did not get to see the second reunion, which, which this show is you know, running at the time without the, the new section. And I've seen every show of the lead up since Panache. And it, I, there was no way I was going to let um, this happen. And I was trying to come with you in April, but I could not make it work. And, you know, because I wanted to see this show. And I'm so glad that I was able to see it now because what I can tell you, I've heard so many stories about, you know, people being happy with the show, disappointed with the show. Those dancers are amazing. I mean, like some of the best dancers I've seen ever. Mm-hmm. And it, would, it was a nice version of it to see an attempt at a new, newer, more modern bluebell with them bringing the history. And it happened at the right moment in the show. The audience went crazy. Yeah. And it was nice to see a full house. And um, I said to both Jeremy and Jane afterwards that, you know, both Blue Mail and Pierre would be proud of them. Because um, they they said they only had four shows in it. It was um, numbers from Panache, um, Saint Magique, Ramisivo, and Alegrito. Oh, so then it is four because Alegrito. Because there was another. Okay, so it was four then because it was Alegrito. And I was really there's something to me about Alegrito that is very iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so happy. Um, and then even talking with Jeremy when we they did the end of the. Um, first tableau in um panache at one point and he was i said oh it's had the influence but it wasn't saying that choreography and then he went and did the choreography and i thought you know it he knows i was oh like oh all my this stuff God. is archived and he, he oh and i feel like they they did it well yeah they, they really did. brought it back it they wasn't did. like here's something from the past and those costumes on that stage fill up the whole stage yep. and all the extra sparkle and that and i'm sure there's numbers that could come back and maybe look a little dated but they brought the stuff that's just timeless mm. the other treat for me was being able to see savannah because she's the daughter of karina and um i even you know did a quick facetime during a rehearsal with karina so she could see her daughter up there for a that moment. was amazing and um i'm so sorry she can't be here for this I believe our father's coming next week to see the really? to see the last show. Yeah. yeah. And um, so it was important to me to come because I mean I would have dealt with it if I could make it happen, but I was like, you're coming. You know, you are coming. And um, the treat for me was, and you're the one who made me do it and think of it. Um, you know, for those who remember the lead out, there's dancing before the show. So I wanted to get Elizabeth up there dancing because I it was such an honor to meet her as you know she's you know she's up there yeah. probably one of the oldest people bluebells around and we all got up there and we were dancing and then Sherry said turn around it's like what was it how was it to stand here were you dance for all those years and get to see like what the audience looks like it's different looking at the theater but then being on the stage looking out I think that's the body memory that is embedded 
because we were dancing to like Earth, Wind, and Fire, and then it was like transported. Yeah, it was kind of interesting because you know we weren't we weren't doing our show, but to turn and look at the audience and it brought back that memory of the last time that I danced there. And I thought, this is the last time I'm seeing it from this vantage point. And I look at those, you know, the lights were still up, you know, the lights that sink in yeah. to when the, stage, when the audience is lowered. And, um, and just feeling how lucky and to have this opportunity because I've been sending messages to so many of my friends from Panache saying, hey, you know, um, how lucky, you know. And everybody has different feelings about it, but I just felt very lucky to say goodbye one more time. And that's something I never would imagine again. And it just shows me, you know, life's pretty wonderful and you have no idea what's around the corner. Mm -hmm. So just be present for it. And uh, so that was a treat. It was a treat to do that. It was a treat to do that with you and my husband. I know, that was, we were all dancing. Elizabeth yeah. was with her granddaughter yeah. who watched the show and went, oh my gosh, my, mother, my grandmother was a bluebell. When, when Elizabeth wrote her book, that's when her granddaughter even found out that her mom did, her grandmother did that. And then you with Ricky, and, and it was just like, it was kind of out of body almost and, and being present at the same time. Like, this is amazing. Cause I've interviewed you two or three times. You've been on panels. And mm -hmm. I met you in New York when I got off the ship, which was so wonderful. I met Ricky in person, but there's just this thing to look around and go, this is how I want to go out. Yeah. Not go out, but I mean, I want to like, enjoy everything and even that pre-show dance party is dancing on the stage remembering even the reunion when all the bluebells were out on the dance floor just having a party i'm like there's so much history and magic that's happened and it was her niece right was it her niece or it's her granddaughter or her granddaughter granddaughter and she had said something very powerful she said oh my god i could understand how a little girl would watch this and think i want to do this and there was this spark in her eye almost I mean, and now this is me reading further into it. Like, oh, if she was a little kid, she would have wanted to do it. But it's, and you know, you always ask, I think, why did you start dancing? Mm -hmm. You know, and dancing saved me. It literally yeah. saved my life. And, um, and I mean, I was attracted to it at a very young age. It took a long time for me to be able to get to do it. And then when I did it, I just swept it up like a sponge. But, um, you know, and, What's interesting is, I'm sure I talked about this previously, when I worked in Vegas, I worked at the Stardust in the Lido show, but not as a dancer, I was an act. And I wanted to do the show so bad. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna one way do this in Paris. It's like, I just put it out there. That's when I do it, I'm gonna do it in Paris. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to do it and move and miss the tech. And, you know, I went into the show two months after it opened, so. They got all the hard work, and I just came in and learned the show in a week or two. Some people say you missed Hell Month or Hell Yes. Month. Oh, because believe me, I've had my days of text, and you just want to die. And uh, I could only imagine what it would have been like to tech a show like that, and you know, a big show. So, but I love the new show. Yeah, I know because you were saying I'm going to like it no matter what because there's people and, that don't like that. There's the projections. Some people think the costumes should be bigger. I, I think I was just so blown away by how good the dancers were and there was beautiful choreography that I, like as a dancer, I would have loved to do this show if I have that strong ballet. But I, I just thought there were so many beautiful things and I loved afterwards you, that you loved it. I think you came with an open mind. I think 
for sometimes there's different opinions. Sometimes like, no, if it's not how it was, it can't be good. And I just feel like there's gotta be room for some progress, but there's also things that change maybe too much. I, you know, when I look, whenever I look at a show, um, when it has issues, let's say, Mm -hmm. if there's a show within it, I always say, you know, there's a show here, someone just has to find it. And when I was looking at the, Paris, Paris, Merveille is what it's called. Paris, Um, Each number was really well done. I think some sequence, I think there's some things that could have been a little different to incorporate a little bit more history. And then when it happened, there was a show there that if they would have had the the new vision, because things do have to change and evolve and grow, otherwise they do look tired. Um, and the history, it's a shame that they could not have married that because I think it would have been a kick-ass show. Yeah. And we were lucky to see a kick-ass show. Yeah. Um, and um, so, and my hat's off to those dancers that, you know, to survive COVID and live through all of that and get back into the show and be a smaller cast and then they put more people on the stage and then it sells and then, you know, they, they didn't know which one was up so many times. They still don't, there's so much they, they don't know because they're not telling them, you know, it's a business. And um, my hat, I tip my hat off to them big time. They were, to go up there and and do what they did, they were they were killing it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, that was um, the, the rehearsal that yeah. we got to see. Um, they were doing this new, it's three different battles. They were saying like, it's a little bit different. Right. There's the last public show next Thursday. And then there's two ending shows. They can invite people, but I was listening to Jane say, they're all going to be a little bit different. Right. And we saw, cause there's already the full tribute in the middle, that whole tableau, but then right. this is pre-show and they show the video. Cause there's a video in the oh, middle. Oh, is that going to happen before the show starts? Mm-hmm. They did? It's been pre-show. And so they come out, oh. like, it's not necessarily choreography from it, but it's the video is amazing yeah, the video and is then dancing to it and what like we're saying we're like i'm ready to cry i have feel joy i feel gratitude i'll be present to watch them do that and like because i've been teaching showgirl classes and i told them if i could have filmed of just them walking forward and you go oh like just the, when that presence is there and you'd see them be fully in and then i think you'd see them all it's like popcorn emotion moment, yeah where they I think would look they kind of what you did looking out like taking in like the lights the theater and then to see the tears come and then see someone kind of put a hand on them and then they would be fine with somebody else. And we were just kind of seeing it and it made me cry every time because I think they are present. They're being present. Mm. Cause I think they're looking around like this is, we have this many days I'm watching them do the countdown. And it is, I've done all these interviews starting in COVID. Like, you know, what is it like? And some training, you know, in their tiny apartments and then some, you know, just the ups and downs. we're going to start now. No, we're not going to come back. And they're all in different countries. So it's not like everybody come back to work. They have to get back in the country and know like, is this really going to happen? So to hear those stories and then to hear what sold all the rumors and again, my heart, everything goes out to these dancers. Yeah. So like, we know nothing is stable in show business anyway, but to know like how hard it is to get to this level. And like, you know, these, a lot of us said, all of us tall people that had nowhere to go, Miss Bluebell made a way that's like, okay, somebody has to be creative. There's new things. I had an interview today that made, has given me hope that sometimes will, things will, something new will be created. They're, they're, you know, they're still in the beginning, middle, or, or maybe some of them at the end of their career. It'll be years before they reflect on this. And it's easy to look back, to watch this and see them from a distance and say, 
you know, in years, you'll see, you know, yeah, you don't there's going to be different, there are going to be different layers of this, but yeah. they all have careers ahead of them, you know, because every show does eventually close or you eventually leave a show. Um, so that, that's part of the business. One of the other treats for me was, um, actually one of the first times I went back to the Lido, I was online to come in and I didn't let anybody know I was coming. Um, cause I didn't know who'd be there or who'd remember me or whatever. And there was a waiter there that I think now was a head waiter and, or, or some kind of responsibility. And he had dated one of the girls in the show, which does happen. And he saw my face and he was like, oh, and I somehow got a better seat. <laughs> and it was my first time going back there after many years after um, Panache. But when we were there the, that night, I saw him and went up to him. He did not remember at this point, but he had been, a, he was the oldest waiter there. And he worked there for 43 years and you could see it on his face. And I would watch him walk by and I'd think, what is he thinking? You know, like, this was his life for 43 years. This is an institution ended. And, um, you know, and he, he said, you were a dancer? He goes, he was on the stage? I said, yeah. And then I reminded him of a girl dated me in the show. He goes, yes, I was with her. I said, this way, he'd know, like, I wasn't somebody, like, who's this nut here saying, this old man saying he danced at the Lido. Uh, and they were very, very nice to us. It was very special. When I came in April, too, that one of the waiters, I think if somebody told him that I was a bluebell and they go, oh, you're, and so obviously as long as I've been there longer, I've seen how many show changes and well. Yeah, I was trying to get the, um, the gentleman who's kind of like the MC to introduce Elizabeth. I was like, oh, do something, you know? <laughs> and I get, I, he wasn't getting the message because I thought it, it, it would have been very special for her to be introduced. Yeah. Her and Rowena, I think there's, the oldest I've interviewed is 82 and there's like four or five of them. I haven't, I know there's, one that's older, but she just says she doesn't want to do anything with technology. Uh, <laughs> and then Adrian Lapeltier, who was my assistant company manager, just passed uh, a few weeks ago. And it just hit this community because he was, fun, was, every other word was fucking. He was like so irreverent that way, but he was like the most kind. Mm -hmm. And so I interviewed him and I released his, but I, it's just understanding that, you know, we're not getting younger. So this, this younger one at the tail ends, but those of us are at the, you know, the other end of it. It's like, it feels important to tell the stories and to like honor the whole legacy. I have a question though, when you came back every time to see the show, did it have an emotional effect? I mean, I'm sure it's gonna be different they now. Were, each, each one was different because I, when I left Paris, I never thought I was coming back again. And I had, you know, you know, from my previous story, I left because my boyfriend had gotten sick and then he, later passed away and I worked for some time after that, but I, you know, it was, it was a highly AIDS crisis and it was a difficult time. And then I remember when I shut, the, when I shut the door, I shut it hard and I couldn't even go see, I didn't see shows for years. It was and too painful? It was, too, I didn't know it, but it was too painful. Yeah, I think was. we know now like some of like underlying. I, it was, I was, it wasn't a conscious decision and my first opening of the door was going to see a friend of mine in a show on Broadway who was a very dear friend and you know it was like whoa and then um my partner at the time wanted to go he loved France but he was felt so awkward here because of the language and I said oh well, we're going and so when we came to the Lido I felt it was a I felt it was closing closing it in a better way. And what was interesting 
um, about that particular trip. At the end of it, I went, oh my God, I could come back here again and again and again. This doesn't have to end. And so every time I came, I always came to see the show. Um, and in those days, the show started because they're so expensive to produce. I think Panache was the first show that ran for over a four-year period. I'm sure you I can't believe that. And, it's like um, two or three-year show. With them. Yeah. And uh, in the beginning, when I looked at history, they changed them every year, but they were smaller shows. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'd see the same show with different casts. And um, it, was, it was always a treat to come back. And, I, and it just felt special, you know? And I thought, oh, this is something I'll do forever. And, um, you know, so it's, uh, it will be interesting coming back to Paris and not seeing Lolita. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we went back to the backstage door, which I knew it had to be on the other side of the building. I mean, there's only so many places you can hide the stage door, but just seeing it. And also we took a picture and then when it was just you like to see the emotion, because there's something, the body memory. Like and when you went to the went to the dressing room too is different than like oh, oh, like this like the dressing feeling. room was so small. I went I was had two spots because I had a spot when I was um in the boys' line and then the spot in the principal. And when Jeremy took me upstairs, he says, Oh, I think that's now two dressing rooms. And I did. I went up and the principal men's dressing room was um now two different dressing rooms. They each had one person in them. Oh really? Because like, well, because there were there were three principal boys. Um that had a dressing room. There were the three principal girls, uh, Pam and Sean, and then Gilles and Laurent um, had had one. Uh, and I guess maybe the axe rubbed. I don't remember for sure. And then there was a, a shower. But um, and the boys' dressing room was across from, kind of across from Bluebells. Um, it was like a little to the left and then steps up. And um, there was some. I don't know why, but I had to see him. I yeah, did. I just had to. I, I, it, I did, and I didn't want to, you know, abuse his time, and you know, because he had such a long day, and I wanted Ricky to see him for some reason. It's just like this was it, kiddo. Yeah, this is part of me. Um, and you know, because he works in wardrobe, and he got up, he was like in wardrobe heaven, you know, for the few moments we were back there looking at things. If, if he would be able to get into one of those storage rooms, I don't think I'd see him for a year. Um, that was has he seen? Show he saw this? Boner. That's the okay. only one he saw because um, we met, uh, we've been together almost 20 years. And when we came, uh, Boner was happening at that point. And is that and important for that. you to see that part of your life? I'm not is sure. Is it for him to see a show and you could understand? Because when you try to explain it, it's, it, he does Broadway. So it he gets was, I mean, one of the fortunate things about when we met is we, you know, we both have careers where we don't work normal business hours. And so there's never any pressure on either one of us about that. Because yeah. I understand his world, he understands mine. And um, the Lido was a very important part of my life as a unit. Mm -hmm. I told you about, I took French lessons from this woman, amazing woman, Madame Béazier, that girl, Lisa, um, who I'm going to force her to do an interview with you. She lives in Australia. Um, me up with and this woman was a woman who survived the holocaust and she taught me about life more than anybody i know and in fact what i didn't know at the time is she was preparing me for the next phase of my life which when my life got turned upside down and i and i went back to her after my partner died because she met him it's when he came to me i made him take french lessons from her and she just had such wisdom 
and such a respect for life and for things, even a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. She was amazing. Yeah. And, and I said to her when I left, I'll never forget. And I brought her to the show, of course, which she adored. And um, when Wayne passed, I went back. I had to go back and tell her. I had to. And so, it, so that's why the Lido is also so important to me. It's who I found. I really found my, a big part of myself here. And I wanted him to see it, yeah. Because he appreciates it. Because he, he knows the hard work that goes into it. And, um, and how, you know, it's, it's, I had one director say to me, it has the highest highs and the lowest lows. I can feel them in the same day, many mm-hmm. times. Um, and he was right. I think, yeah, I think when you even come back from a trip, like I remember, like I would try to explain to my husband, but he didn't really. And so you're like, I'm kind of lonely in this process because I have to find someone who understands. And that's a lot of people in the interviews to have someone who understands even what the heck we're talking about makes you feel seen. So for you guys, you have like the story of Paris together. You, at the end of the show, because I remember like I didn't want, when people talk to me during a show, I'm like, I'm trying to pay attention. So when I knew it was coming up, because of one thing, I was like, is this it? Because it was before the can-can. It kind of felt like it was leading to this new truth. Uh, there was only one point I looked around and I knew there was not anything happening. Like, just to hear like those songs that you knew. But it was after, it was after the show, it was that point. He was that point. And you had said something like this, how happy you realize that you, like it was not a thing in your family, the happiness you found. You were so happy when you were here. It was a time that you really, oh. can you, I said that wrong, but can you share, because that really hit me, and I've actually been processing it for myself, too. It's funny, talk about, like, a little deja vu. It's like, when we were going to see the show, we were, to stand with Rue Lord Byron just seeing and meant the world to me. It wasn't planned out, but it meant the world to me. And as we got dressed up, and Ricky made me a wonderful little shirt that, with the Panache logo and Lido, Lido on it, that I wore to the show that night, and so we left the apartment and we got to the Shams and who do we see but Savannah and two of her friends from the show looking so elegant, you know, in their casual clothes, like so tall and beautiful. And like, and I remember it brought back, I remember always getting off that Metro at George Sank and just feeling so good about walking in backstage. And I, it just felt special. And, um, it was, um, and so, so, and living here felt that way too. I thought, oh my God, how lucky I am this kid from Russell Park who, from a big family that nobody did anything like this. You know, I mean, we all have our stories, but this was out there, you know? Um, I could only imagine what my mother must have thought when I said, I want to do this stuff. <laughs> like, please, no. Um, and then to unfortunately have the opportunity. And so to relive that was nice. It was very nice. When you said that, it felt really real. It wasn't like, uh, Athena and I have this conversation a lot. Like, do we make it better than it was? It's like, I think, we, I think we've made it less than it was. And so, cause sometimes like, did I embellish? And so it's coming back with, no, it really was this wonderful. But also I realized, I, I don't want to say too much in case who listens, but happiness in my family it just feels very flat mm-hmm. and he would said I go no that was a that was like joy there was a happiness that was different I go this is what I felt and I, I had my kids I had different joy but I think this opened something up that got me out of my hometown my family that I go I had more capacity for joy yeah. and adventure and beauty all those things that I just if I hadn't left I don't I don't know maybe we would have found a different way but I go I feel like this brought out all these things that had never even been invited before. Mm. 
I don't know if I talked about any of this previously, but I, you know, life is a process, obviously. But at a, when I was a freshman in high school, my father died. And it was obviously a, a very big event. And I remember turning to my sister, and she had no memory of me saying this to her. I said, oh my God, I think we're supposed to be happy. And she looked at me like, I said, I, you know, dad and mom worked so hard. They were like, they had all these kids and their goal was one day to have a house down at the Jersey shore. You know, they loved their grandchildren. That was obvious. But I think we're supposed to be happy. They were working so hard. Were they happy? And that's when I started the process of trying to figure out what it meant to be happy. And as a young gay kid who obviously wasn't out in 1974, that was, you know, pretty traumatizing. And that's what I meant about talking about Madame Biozier. I had these moments even before then where it's like pinch me, this stuff is happening. But she taught me a respect for life that I didn't know existed and about really living today. Yeah. So I've had so many experiences that I've gotten to really feel it. And when years later, um, my Nancy Rester, who I adore, a wonderful therapist, she taught me something. She said, when you're conscious for something, especially when it's with another person, you can give each other stuff that nobody else can give each other and they can never take it away. And so, but when you're not conscious, you miss it. Mm-hmm. And Madame Beauzier was my father dying. What's the step of that? Madame Beauzier was a big step. Nancy was a big step of that. And that's what, that's what happened with that show the other night. It's, it was just to be there and be present. And I've lived a good part of my life that way. And whenever I don't, I get mad at myself. Say, hey, you know, wake that kid out because you're missing out. And like right now, this moment, it's just this moment. You know, we get no more than today. That's all we get. And... I've learned time and time again, when someone leaves the planet, you know, it's over. You do not get five more seconds. I was saying to you the other night, I said, there are big things coming for you. I feel it. Be ready for it and say yes. Mm-hmm. You know, That's don't, just, don't be afraid of it mm-hmm. and go for it. It's like we go, all go through stages of everything changing in our lives. And so that's what that moment felt like. And, and the other thing that was really important, and I relate this to Jeremy, and Jane as well. I'm so proud of Miss Bluebell. I am so proud of her and I feel so lucky that I got to audition for her, that she hired me. It was a transitional time with management, so she was not as um, in charge day to day as she had been prior, but I respected her. All I feel very connected to women. I have six sisters. I always have been very protective of women. Um, anybody would understand that because I just said it so fast. But I'm so proud of the opportunities that she created for women because that show is about women. And the men are there too, and they're great, but it's about the women. And to think of how many women, I mean, just think about this. Over the years that she hired, she was so ahead of her time. Yeah. And like you always talk about the showgirl and the negative connotation. And I always try and chop that off as. For me, it's just the opposite. It is like the top of the line. And that's who she was. And she created that at a time when it did not exist. And, you know, that's pretty amazing. Pretty that, amazing. That, 
is a huge part because I think when I started to, it wasn't just Alito, it was Miss Bluebell because I've shared my story when I was going to turn down the contract because I, my parents were so upset it was me topless. And I remember like telling her this and she hugged me and like, I, she said, there's good girls. They get married. Like you need to do this for you. I remember just sobbing in Miss Bluebell's arms. And I think when I picture her, her being quite proper, it's kind of a weird scenario. And I think of being in her hotel room at the MGM, like going to turn it down. And I had to say to my parents, I'm doing this no matter what. And if Miss, Miss Bluebell did not have to do that. There were right. all these dancers that wanted it. It wasn't like when you tell someone, you know, she could have got someone else. I think she probably understood. You weren't the only girl that had that feeling. Yeah. And I just feel like if, she, if I had turned that down. I, she obviously that, wanted you. I, to this day, I always think about you know all those girls. You had a couple hundred girls audition. Just like three hundred boys and girls, I think. I think there was, and you were one of three. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I didn't even put it together until like, wait, what was these? And there was one boy that came because I listened to other people like, that's amazing. And you go, oh, my story is amazing. I think it's the hearing each other's like all of our stories are amazing. Yeah. But I'm going to go, uh, Elizabeth and I are going to go, just, I know you're going to be able to go, but it's with all the things going on, it's hard to go to a grave, even though it's just there in April, it feels really important to honor her because, oh shit, we've <laughs> <laughs> been talking a while. Um, it has been so amazing to share this with you. Yeah. When I came in April, I brought one of my dancers. So it was really fun to see through her eyes. The first time she saw the Lido and see the shows and see Paris, that was such a fun experience. And this one was very different to share it with you because I think you, we got to cry. We got to feel the joy. And I think we both felt such gratitude. It wasn't somber. It's all of no, it. No, not at all. In fact, but my favorite moment was when they stopped and they showed a video clip of history of the shows and seeing, you know, the evolution of the blue band. Yeah. And just how magical, you know, and just to be a small part of that, you know, is, is pretty special. That made me go, I'm so proud to call myself a blue belt. And I just add this one little thing because where it started. To see the topless and kind of like, is that necessary? People say with Me Too movement, is that passe? And I went, there was something I went, that I finally, for the first time, went, that is so beautiful. Oh, it is. And I've kind of been close to it before. And I think this trip solidified like what I did was beautiful without any little mm, attached to it, like fully to untethered all the shame to it went. I am so proud that I was a blue belt and I was proud that I did this kind of show and topless is beautiful in this way that Miss Bluebell set it up. It was, we talked about that in one of the group. Yeah. Um, I think it was like an anniversary thing or something. Yeah. Like uh, an anniversary conversation. And one of the girls had said that she didn't think it was necessary. And I respect that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why there are girls that are covered. Yeah. And, um, and I even talked about when I saw Kate, um, what was Kate's last name? Vanderleet. Vanderleet. When I saw her in the show um, at the Lido, she was principal and she was covered. She was not topless. Yeah. Um, and that was the first time I'd seen a principal do that. Oh, no, no. There was one other principal as well. Oh, that was after. there. Sorry. Anyway. Um, so for however that decision is made. But it was, we went to see the Mulan early in the race, Ricky and I. And, you know, I'd seen that short show previously. It's been running a long time and in pretty decent shape. And then I don't know why I was thinking this version, there, were, aren't, there weren't going to be that many topless girls. And they were. They were so elegant and beautiful. And I'm like, I get it, you know? It's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. I, I remember the first time I saw one was in Vegas, you know, when I was probably, I think I was 21 in Vegas. And it was full on shocking. Yeah. And, you know, or even the first time dancing in a G-string myself, it was like, whoa, and then five minutes later, no big deal. 
Yeah. And it really shouldn't be, you know? So. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it, it was an honor to have this time with you here because it just makes yeah. it feel more like you get it. Oh, I love you, Miles. Love you, well, till our next, Until the next excuse to do this. <laughs>